hello, hello. This is Rebecca Radio And Maggie Bacello. And this is Does It Get the Pass? A podcast where we arbitrarily decide whether rom-coms get the pass. This week, what we're deciding whether or not gets the pass is the 1998 film How Stella Got Her Groove Back, directed by Kevin Rodney Sullivan and starring Angela Bassett as Stella Payne and Tay Diggs as the wonderfully named Winston Shakespeare. And this week, we are not alone. We have our first ever guest on the podcast. She is a fellow entertainment journalist with bylines at Inverse, Screen Spec, Slash Film, and more. And she is the inventor of the Romeo Gene Theory, which I am sure will come up at some point on this podcast. It's Livy Scott. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I completely did not realize that I was your first guest. This is such an honor. Yeah, I mean, you are arguably the most qualified person I know to be on this podcast, considering your your like frequent discussions of of rom coms on TikTok. So, you are also the only person we considered having for our first guest too. <laughs> Literally, there is like no one I love more for our first guest. Um, Libby and I met a very long time ago in dire circumstances in a redacted <laughs> fandom writing redacted redacted. Um, but, but we have been friends for a very long time. And so, um, one of the first people that I met doing entertainment journalism, and I actually teach Livy's fantastic personal essay, Breaking Up with Star Wars, to my own students. And I am coming back to teach next fall. So it's very, it's a good time. Um, so yeah, I trust Livy a lot as a writer, as an analyst, as a critic. Um, we also did a uh, Writers on Writers at the beginning of the year for Blossom, which we might have to link somewhere on our Twitter page. But yeah, there is literally nobody more qualified to come on this pod and be our first guest. Yeah. And this we have an important question so that we're going to we're gonna ask all of our guests, which is, what is your favorite rom-com? And I know that's putting you on the spot. <laughs> this is a very traumatic choice that I have to make. Um, but I think it changes all the time. I will say that if I come back, it might I might have a different answer. But currently... My favorite rom-com is Brown Sugar. Ooh, that's a good choice. It's a very good choice. And we are covering... Is it? Yes. It is. I I know nothing about Tay Diggs outside of him being in Rent and set it up. So this movie was an adventure (laughs) for me. And you and I, I, Libby, share a very similar, at least, outlook on this movie. Because we both gave it, I think, two stars on Letterboxd. And you have Mm. pretty strong feelings about this movie. So... Why don't you get us started talking about I why do. you wanted to talk about this movie? Yeah, I think um, I love that you brought up Rent because I think that is what like got him cast in the movie. Like he had never done a film before. <laughs> and then like how Stella got her group back was his first role in a film. And I think it's fantastic. Not so much, not every aspect of his performance. We'll get to the accent later oh yeah but uh <laughs> his performance in general I'm like love him want to put him in my pocket adore him would do anything for him but the reason I wanted to discuss how Stella got her groove back was because I feel like there's this idea of the film that everybody like born after the film came out has about it which is basically like oh a fun summer romp in Jamaica, it's a fling. It's lighthearted. It's this. It's that. It's none of those things. Like, 
And I, I watched it, I think like a month ago and I just felt ripped off a little bit. Cause it's like, you go in thinking one thing and even the synopsis, we were talking about this before we started recording, even the synopsis is like, it tells you just a fraction, maybe like the first 20 minutes of like what happens in the film. And then it just complete left turn. And I think there's this disconnect with like 90s rom-coms that have like black leads. They always call them rom-coms, but they are literally not. And I just wanted to set the record straight because I don't want anybody else feeling misled like I was. Just to echo what you said about those like 90s rom-coms with black leads. I was so excited to watch Love and Basketball a while ago. Oh my God. Biggest disappointment of my life. And even more disappointing when I found out it didn't get past. Um, Whatever. That's, That's another story for that episode whenever we eventually do it. But yeah, I remember... I asked you like um, which movies you would like to talk about when you came on this pod and you were like this one. And I remember texting you um, when I saw your letterbox review a month or so ago and being like, oh, my God, well, we're doing that. We have it on our um, on our list of rom-coms. Like, I want to know why it's so bad. And you were like, well, I'm coming to do it. Then. <laughs> like, talk about it. If there's one thing you can trust me to do, it's hate. And here I am. <laughs> That is what that we love that on this podcast. If you if you've listened to this show before, you will recall our thoughts on uh, how to lose a guy in 10 days. We're not we're not quiet when we dislike things. And I but I wanted to go back to what you were saying about the disconnect, because I feel like structurally this movie doesn't know what it's doing. Like it's not it's kind of like you said, the first maybe like half hour is a rom com and then it every turn in the movie after that is a left you know it's just it's just going it's it's such a strange we it's like it's the thing we talk about on the show a little bit with like i wonder how many rewrites this script went through because it feels like it's making all these lefts and it's like at what point did we decide that it needed to go this way because you mentioned in your your letterbox review that this kind of would have been better as like a Whoopi Goldberg and Angela Bassett go on a last trip to Jamaica kind of thing. And I, mm-hmm. after having watched the movie, I definitely agree with you on that statement. Because the the Whoopi Goldberg like subplot feels like it fits so strangely into the rest of the film. Especially because, and this is not a spoiler, this movie's as old as I am. Especially since Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> dies halfway through the damn movie. It's like, this should have been a third act yes. thing, if anything. If it was going to have the right kind of connective tissue. Mm-hmm. It, it's treated like an afterthought. Um, and so many of the choices in the film bring it like closer and closer to melodrama as it like goes on. Like it's very much giving lifetime movie (laughs) and I'm sorry if that's really mean, but (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca, I think it's just mean enough. Um, yeah, I've only actually ever seen like one of those like lifetime Hallmark movies and it was starring that Irish guy from Downton Abbey and it was actually kind of okay. I have to admit, but or somebody else. uh, I don't mm. Oh, the driver. (laughs) I see this like I know Downton Abbey. Like, I got flown out to Universal last year to do a Downton Abbey junket. I don't know dick about Downton Abbey. <laughs> I don't no, know why I, I asked that question. I think to just come back to Earth a little bit, I think that, like, the fact that this movie is being compared by my colleagues here to a Lifetime movie is absolutely accurate. This feels more like melodrama. And it just, 
I was really, I texted Maggie this. I was like, oh, the first 40 minutes are actually okay. And I kind of like this movie. Now I'm like, why, why did everyone give it two stars? And then I tried to slog through the last like hour and 25 minutes. And I was like, oh, I get it now. Um, I literally, I think that the last hour of this movie was positively agonizing. We did not need that many conflicts to bring us to the end. I would have been satisfied with maybe two max three of those conflicts before we you know had um Stella running to Winston at the terminal and this is definitely a pre-9-11 movie because that would never fucking happen in this economy but um (laughs) like I feel like we didn't need this many things going wrong in a rom-com at the very least if this were a drama or even a melodrama I'd be fine with all of these act like third fifth eighth tenth act turns now at this point but i think that like it's just that i i it pains me to know how many rewrites this went through at the very end it reminds me of the end of at La- um at midnight where we had two really strange like makeup scenes that didn't fit with each other very well yeah the script is actually based on a novel which in turn is based on the life of the author and i think yeah, she went to the Caribbean. She went to the Caribbean for a vacation and she met a guy that was like quite young and they had an affair and she left feeling refreshed. And I think that <laughs> I feel like a lot of personal things like she it reads like a memoir when you know that. It's like, oh, she's like writing about this like hyper specific period of her life and the things that happened to her but that doesn't as we know now that we've all watched the film it does not lend well to a story that flows and is like deserve like it it's not cinema you know yeah when I, I do I listen we are we are mean people on this podcast I will <laughs> I will be the first to admit that uh but no now I I remember reading a while ago that this was based on a novel and now remembering that structurally this movie makes a lot more sense because in a novel I think you can get away with more of the like you know adding another conflict to the end to you know up your word count I think because it's a when when you have it just on the page and you don't have a, a time constraint necessarily um I think it works a little better but I do think you saying that and reminding me of that does it's not forgiving. I, I'm not forgiving this movie for how weird it Definitely. is structurally, but it does make Definitely sense. Definitely not. Yeah, it's not an excuse, but it is an, an explanation. An explanation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, oh my God. I, so I also gave it two stars on Letterboxd because I don't think it deserved any more, but I don't think it deserved less. There were parts of this movie that I did like uh, read the first 40 minutes. Um, I actually thoroughly enjoyed the first 40 minutes of this movie. Um, and I think that that's the movie that like to me, that's the movie. The other ha- uh, mm, hour and a half of it did not exist. But in my letterbox review, I did say that the white woman version of this would have Does Your Mother Know by ABBA as like the needle drop for the movie. Yes. Um, and just a follow up to this. If someone who knows reggae more than I do can confirm or deny, is this soundtrack actually good? Or is it like when you make a generic like pop music or alt music soundtrack for a movie um because i don't know i think it's i'm trying to think about how much bob marley they play none oh i think it's okay then i think it's like deep cuts 
surprisingly, I don't know. I was more distracted by the, I guess you could call it a score of that woman just like vocalizing every time they like had sex, which was oh my God. so distracting. <laughs> Tell us more about it though. Okay. So let's set the scene first. Um, let's backtrack a little. So Angela Bassett's Stella is, you know, she's, she's a runner um, and that's literally like her defining character trait. She is a runner. She's on vacation in Jamaica. She goes running. Whoopi Goldberg doesn't want to run because she's the funny best friend, but also she's dying, I think, of cancer. Yeah. Which is very tragic. But we don't find that out until 20 minutes later, I guess, because this movie is so weirdly paced. <laughs> I'm tearing this apart. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Beat so... me. We're haters here. <laughs> okay. Okay. I can unleash it. Thank you. Thank you. After her first inaugural run in Jamaica, she like goes to like continental breakfast and she sees Winston Shakespeare. She doesn't know that his name is Winston Shakespeare. She just knows that he's fine as hell and he looks like Tay Diggs. And he's eating at a nearby table. She's eating like kind of far away, kind of awkwardly too. It's, it's, can I just say before I keep going, I just want to say everybody like praises Angela Bassett in this role but I don't know if I like her in this role because they're forcing her to play awkward and unsure and she's not that not at all right no I like I know that I know that actors act but that's just it's not believable that she would be giddy over a man or in any way insecure and doubting that a 20 year old man would be like hey like be serious. So anyway. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I was like, some of the reviews I saw were like, oh my God, she and um, Delilah, who's Whoopi Goldberg's character, should have definitely been the real relationship. And my Maggie knows this. When every time I have a complaint about a rom-com, I'm always like, well, if it was lesbians, it would be fine. Um, but, and this is one of those absolute cases, because I don't think that Angela pulls off that like kind of shy energy, like fact that everyone is like why are you with this young man I'm like why the fuck not is she with that young man like who gives a shit but anyways go on yes it's I agree with you I agree wholeheartedly so they chit chat over brunch or whatever and he's like I'm going to this pajama party later in his terrible Jamaican accent bless his heart and she's like okay and leaves (laughs) later she tells Whoopi Goldberg Whoopi Goldberg is like girl we're going to the pajama party. They go to the pajama party. It's really weird. People start taking off their clothes. It's basically foreplay because <laughs> no two scenes later, they're having sex. It's very like, one thing I will give this movie, it's sensual as hell. I, I'll, I'll allow it. I will allow it. <laughs> they're like under the mosquito net and like her hotel room is like there's no walls so it's like all the window like there's a breeze and but the whole time this woman is like and I'm like girl (laughs) is it really that good like be real they said we need you to spiritually understand how good Tay Diggs's dick game is (laughs) and this is 
only way. This is the only way we're going to get this across to you. And it's like, there are other ways. <laughs> there are other ways to show us this. With any kind of meaningful plot development whatsoever. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's the problem. It's like, there's very little holding this couple together besides like rabid lust. And I get it, but it's like, if, if, if it were a different film, like if it was comedy focused instead of so focused on like, you know, everything else that happens in the film. And if they were focusing on like just her time in Jamaica, just the fling, it would totally make sense. But then he's like, I'm going to come and live with you. And it's like, wait, (laughs) I'm not letting a 20 year old man move into my house. I live with a, like my little brother's 21. No, I'm not letting a 20 20 year old man move into my house. And I'm 25. Like (laughs) what Rebecca said about like, the the like white woman version of this i feel like that's just the keanu reeves bits of something's got to give except uh, something's got to give is actually kind of like somehow manages ooh. to do that well though like i'm not gonna go off on my my usual rant about something's got to give which is why the fuck would you choose jack nicholson over that but like <laughs> that's a conversation for when we eventually do that movie the first half of like that movie is so freaking sexy like when they're and they and like even before the sex scene happens between you know between the people that have sex keanu going to dinner with diane keaton and smelling her neck and being like i knew you smelled good bitch what hold on hold the fuck on what (laughs) um unfortunately it's been on my watch list forever and it's supposed to be on this pod. I've never fucking seen it. So I'm really, hmm, I'm really excited to watch that movie now. We might have to move it up. Schedule. Um, Hopefully that was enough to sell you on it because it's good. All I, need, I just rewatched part of Dangerous Liaisons, which also has Keanu Reeves. Does so it? I'm on a bit of a kick right now. Yeah, he's one of the, he's another young man in that oh, movie. God. It's, it's I, yeah. we're, we're getting, we're getting away from the pod now, but yeah, no, but like I'm Chad Sahelski, I'm begging you to take a break with John Wick so this man can be in more rom coms. Just that's that's my one ask. Oh my god, please, yes. If I ever run into him, I'm gonna be like, can you release him for just two seconds? Just two <laughs> seconds, please. Just a moment. He just needs to film for three weeks on location somewhere, and that's the that's rom-com. it. That's it. We just need him for three weeks. We're not asking for a lot. Okay, anyway. Where were we? The white woman version of this movie is Mamma Mia. What? Sorry. Um, <laughs> but it is true. It's very true. Like, and this just goes back to this is my main gripe with the film. It's like you waste Jamaica. It wastes Jamaica completely. We don't get to swim. They actually only swim in the freaking pool, dude. Like, you're in Jamaica. You're on a resort. You are right next to the beach. All she does is run next to the beach and then she goes and gets, she goes and gets breakfast. And it's like, cause I'm thinking about that scene in Mamma Mia where the guy in the dreads is like, it's Christine Baranski, right? Yes. And he like comes out of the ocean and she's like holding him back with her stilettoed heel. And he's like, he's on his knees. He's crawling through the sand to get to her i'm sorry we keep talking about better films and we need to stick to what we need to stick to to the brief let's stick to the brief 
I wanted I, to talk um, about this in like terms of the past because I was thinking oh, about yeah. that when I was writing my notes. I can't decide whether it does because at some point it takes such a hard left out of rom-com territory that it's like, do all these fights that they're having, you know, at the end count as like miscommunication or is it just the fact that you've let a literal child move into your house? I, I'm going to give my take because I think that they're, those are normal relationship miscommunications, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, this would have no been whimsy. a different. Yeah, this would have been a different story if maybe she was lying about her age or he was lying about his age. Also, the fact I do not believe for a second that Angela Bassett here is forty because she does not look it. She looks better than that in yeah. so many ways. But like, I think that this gets the pass, and I did write this down. Um, does it get the pass? Yes, and I'm mad about it, and I'm mad about it because it's not a good movie. Um, like <laughs> that's what makes me mad. Like, yes, to me, it gets the pass, but it doesn't deserve it. It almost mm-hmm. does not deserve it. Like we've talked about on this pod other times, like there are movies that doesn't, it doesn't get the pass, but we still like them. There are movies that get the pass and we don't like them just because they get the pass. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I think maybe potentially the fact that it goes so far out of rom-com territory after the first hour is a sign that maybe the pass just doesn't apply here. Yeah, I think I think you're right, just because uh, comparatively also, I know a lot of people will say that Love and Basketball isn't a rom-com, and it's like, there's a weird kind of, and both of you stop me if I'm wrong about this, but I feel like largely I, when I read books about rom-coms or I read a lot of, um, like, BuzzFeed articles or the roundups we do at Collider that have um, rom-coms on them, it's a lot of, like, there are so few black leads in romance films that we will kind of categorize what little we have oh, as a rom-com, sure. even though this structurally is more. And we've talked about this in the past. A lot of the movies we've talked about, we've talked about Crazy Rich Asians last week and how that's more like a family drama than it is a rom-com. And I think the same mm. is true here where this is, I would say, despite the fact that the kind of inciting incident is this fling that that the two characters have, I wouldn't necessarily... At no point is this a funny movie outside if you if you take Whoopi Goldberg no. out of the equation, I feel like. <laughs> yes. Yes, I agree. And it's definitely like it's just the scarcity mindset, mm-hmm. to be honest. Because in the 90s there was this huge boom of black movies. And granted, there they were making strides in the genre, in in like every genre, pretty much, in action, in science fiction, in romance. But they didn't get funny until the 2000s. So I don't think, I don't think that it's a rom-com. I think it, it uses the tropes, but in a, in a way that is a little too realistic and not at all fun, which is making me conflicted. Like even the grand gesture at the end, it's like, where's the speech? Where's yeah. it's supposed to make you feel happy, but like when she's like standing there in her gorgeous red coat, by the way, we have to circle back to the costumes. Um, when she's standing there and he's like, Oh, and it's just so lifeless and lackluster, but I don't know if that is a way of for me to justify saying that it doesn't get the pass to me. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's funny because watching that that airport scene, the only thing I could think of the entire time 
was the airport scene from the other rom-com that Tay Diggs has been in set it up, which is, if, if, you've, if you're not familiar with that movie, it's when uh, Glenn Powell's character Charlie decides that he doesn't want to be a piece of shit and he doesn't want to let Lucy Liu marry Tay Diggs because he's a terrible person. And so he runs to the airport to attempt to break them up. And that's how you do a funny grand gesture airport scene because yes. it's not even it's it's just him in all his dipshit glory like yelling across a <laughs> across a large open space whereas this it's like i got to the end and you there's like a, a real tight close-up on angela bassett's face and i was just like you look so sad like this is supposed to be your like romantic reconciliation and you look mm-hmm. so depressed yes oh that really like gets to the heart of another big issue I have with this. They're miserable together. Yeah. There's no not in the Yes, there's no whimsy. They're miserable and not in the way that is like, oh, we bicker. Like, you know how sometimes the rom-com heroine will choose a man that's just like a dick. Yeah, much the chemistry. Yes, yes. But the chemistry is so fire that it's like, it's fine. It's fine. Don't choose the nice guy. It's fine. Choose the absolute asshole that kind of that like grows to love you after a time. It's not like that. It's like they're legitimately ruining each other's lives. Like he's 20 years old. He has his life ahead of him. He wants to be a doctor. And she's and he's like living at her house rent free, literally rent free. Yes, not working, just cooking and cleaning, taking care of her son, which like, go girl, get it, like, cool, good for her. But then also it's like, it's causing her stress. She's like worried about the stigma. She's already been married. So she's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't know, it's just, she's holding him back. And it hurts to say that because like, you know, with Angela Bassett. I don't want to say that she does anything wrong, but she's keeping him from starting his life. And when he's literally about to leave to start his life, she's like, don't go marry me. Like that, that really pissed me off. Like I said, it gets the pass, but I'm not happy about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like that whole thing at the end, I could swear also, maybe I'm just getting lost in the weeds here. Don't they propose to each other like multiple times throughout this movie? Yes. And not just throughout this movie, throughout the last, like, 30 minutes of this movie, I got yeah. so, like, lost in the weeds with it that I could not fucking keep track of what was going on. And I'll say this, I think in a book you can get away with this, and in a memoir you can definitely get away with being a little bit messy. But in a movie like this, I think that you need to just be as direct and to the point. <clears throat> also, like, again, with the fucking, like, grand gesture at the end, I, I don't... I don't think they deserve it. Like Maggie and I were literally mm-hmm. talking about another airport grand gesture last week with crazy rich Asians. Cause that's when he proposes to her. Oh, they don't yes. fucking deserve it in that movie. They don't deserve it in this one. Um, I'm over airport, airport stuff. grand gestures until we can do it the way it was in the wedding banquet, which was the best airport grand gesture I've ever seen in my entire life. I just, we said like, we said last week that if you propose to somebody on a long haul flight back to the US in economy class, then you're just kind of a douchebag. And it feels like the same way of like, you're about this, this kid's about to leave to go to medical school and you're going to propose to him and drag him out of that. That just feels like, that feels like entrapment. 
Yes, it's so weird. And I feel like this is a good segue. How do y'all feel about the age gap? He's Hmm. an infant. (laughs) That was my first baby. When he said he was 25, I was like, okay, that's fine. And then he said he was 20. And I was like, I'm 25 and I wouldn't date 20. That's a child. That pissed me off a little when he was like, would you say I'm 25? And I was like, oh, that's fine. He was like, just kidding. Bitch, don't joke about that. That's no. not funny. It's also weird because I, I just looked it yeah. up and Tay Diggs was 27 when he shot this. So it's like, it, there's a weird disconnect no. in how old he looks too. He doesn't look 20. Because you want to know what 20 looks like? Scrawny as fuck. Yes. He's not he's grown. And that shower scene, I was like, he's not 20. <laughs> he's not 20. Yeah, I there, I I kind of said this under my breath. I'm like, is this grooming? I don't know. It feels like entrapment, but I don't know about grooming. The fact that when she gets to the terminal and she's like, "Have you considered Stanford?" I'm like, "No, bitch. He's already in another medical school. Like, shut up. You like, I do genuinely think that she's entrap, entrapping, entrapmenting. I teach writing, but I don't give a shit about the English language right now. I'm off duty. Um, What I meant to say is that, like, I don't know if she understands that she's holding him back, kind of like we were talking about a little bit ago. But also, like, at the same time, like, they're not even good for each other. Mm -mm. Like, maybe if they had a longer conversation about their options together but the thing is that's that never happens they never sit down and talk about their options together and maybe i'm giving even rom-coms a little bit too much credit because they never sit down and talk about their options at any point ever in the course of a rom-com or in a drama for that matter but it's also it's just like i don't know if i would have stayed in that kind of situation i feel like the the have you considered stanford line is on the same level of bad as the end of Four weddings and a funeral when Andy McDowell's like, it's raining. Oh, I haven't noticed. Like it's it's you can feel in your bones that it's a line they wrote to try and make like a movie moment out of it. And it mm-hmm. just falls flat on its face. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, but you yeah. mentioned the costumes. You wanted a round back around to the costumes, Libby. What did you want to say about those? Uh, okay. So the costumes for how Stella got her groove back were designed by Ruth E. Carter. What? Yeah, dude. Hello? Yes. Yes. So um, for context, for anybody who isn't like knee deep, balls deep in Marvel discourse, Ruth E. Carter is the two-time Academy Award winning costume designer for Black Panther and its sequel, Wakanda Forever. She's a goddess. She is the best. Um, she came up doing Spike Lee joints and she just knows how to dress black women. I love her so much. She's a queen and you can absolutely tell like even like before she kind of got the chance to do you know like Afrofuturism like with Black Panther like she was making her leads look good. Like they looked so good. The, there's so many iconic fashion moments in this film, and I love watching chick flicks for fashion specifically. That's like my second priority underneath hot leads. Um, the pink bikini. Stunning. Yes. Oh, my God. I love that outfit. Um, I think it's even in the banner on Letterboxd. Yeah, it is. Yes. And with her hair tied back with that gorgeous pink scarf, too. Oh. Yeah, I got to say, I noticed the costumes immediately when watching Mm -hmm. this movie because even in her like 
um, stockbroker, businesswoman, power suit, feminism, 90s outfit. The tailoring. She looks so good. Yeah, they're perfectly yes. tailored. Like it's the turtleneck with the 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 pastel blue suit that she wears when she visits mm-hmm. Delilah in the hospital and that belt. She looks so good in even yes. like just kind of quote unquote boring professional work clothes. But then <laughs> I, I do actually think that the clothes are telling more of a story than anything else. Also, the um the scene where she and Winston are fighting over who's gonna pay the bill at the restaurant, she has herself like a little episode two Padme outfit moment. Yeah. Right? With the choker <laughs> and the black corset dress. Oh my God, you're so right. You're so right. She was doing Padme before Padme even knew. He was even born, like, period, period. <laughs> oh, and then obviously, like, the red coat. I think, I think a lot of the costume budget went to like Angela, but they're like, Winston looks good too. Tay Diggs looks good too. There's not much to do. He's a man, but he still looks cute. I I remember specifically like there's this like blue button down that he wears um, after he proposes and it's like a week has gone by and he's like mad as hell because Stella hasn't like told him, <laughs> told him yes or no. And it, it's literally just like Tommy Hilfiger. And I'm like, that looks amazing on him. Yeah. I think it's what you said about the tailoring on the on the suits. Like it's it they they're made to fit the actors so well. Cause I specifically noticed mm-hmm. all of her running outfits. I was like, yes. God damn, if I looked this good in like the lycra you get at Aerie, I would be running all the damn time. Like that was the thing that stood out to me. And usually like exercise clothes in movies, I'm like, cool, you're skinny and fit. We get it. Like, let's move on. But that I was and maybe part of it is just because it's Angela Bassett and I feel like I'm just a giant hard eyes emoji anytime she does anything but like those <laughs> costumes specifically I can't believe I didn't realize this was Ruthie Carter because it definitely has her like look to it especially like I feel like it's especially good because she really brings out the color in Jamaica I'm specifically also thinking yeah. of that like negligee nightgown she wears to the pajama party I was like this is the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen oh my god yes yes I feel like I feel like there's so many times that I've watched the film and kind of been like in the back of my head, like these costumes smack. And then the credits roll and it's like Ruthie Carter. And I'm like, of course. Because <laughs> it never I feels feel- obtrusive. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I was going to say something silly. We're, we keep talking about better movies, too. But like I was going to say the only other movie where I think like like you said, you watch Chick Flicks for fashion. And I immediately thought of Devil Wears Prada. That's the only other film that I think can even match like the way that Stella is doing fashion, because I think even other fashion movies kind of fall short. And also Ocean's 8 is really, really good too. Ocean's 8 is a rom-com, so it's relevant. Um, The fashion in these three movies is really, really strong. I want to know what was in the water when Ruthie Carter was like, I am going to put Angela Bassett in that negligee at the pajama party because like Maggie said, it is so fucking gorgeous. Like everything she wears in this movie is so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's specifically like a lot of bright color too. And I was... Livy, I was listening to you on on this ends at prom talking about Baps and her costumes, her costume work in that. And it's similar. Like I I'm so obsessed with bright colors. So the costumes in Baps are just like literally everything to me. But I feel like that yes. there's a lot of carry over there. Like you guys were talking about the pink bikini. Like it's such a it's so vivid in a way that it's not so vivid that it's like 
if you're not a film nerd, it, you don't sit there and go, oh, the costumes. But it it's really just like, it's gorgeous in context, which I feel like a lot of costumes, especially costumes for rom-coms where, you know, you're not, it's not like Ocean's 8 where you're wearing these big grand gowns to a, to a yeah. Met Gala. Like, I feel like a lot of rom-coms, the costuming doesn't really stick out, but here it definitely does. I absolutely agree. Like, I feel like there's just a handful of rom-coms that kind of understand how to bring fashion into it while staying true to character because sometimes you know it's like you said Maggie they can't all be like Ocean's 8 fashion forward like even when they're not at the Met Gala like Kate Blanchett is like stunning in every single outfit she's freaking wearing and it's like okay like we get it we get it you slay all day but like not every movie's like that and I think the sign of like a really great costume design is when you can bring like aesthetically pleasing outfits to something that's like just like about normies. You know what I mean? Yeah. About normies. As if Angela or Tay could ever be normies. Like <laughs> They try to make them, they try to like make us think that they are. They're like, oh, Angela works too hard. She's normal and boring. Shut up. Yeah. Shut I up. feel like it's, she knows that's it. the common rom-com problem of like, it, it's the Bridget Jones of it all of like trying to make us believe that this person is normal and has problems when it's the hottest person on the planet. And you're like, I don't believe this. I don't, I don't believe for one yes. goddamn second that a divorced Angela Bassett wouldn't have men barreling down her door to ask her out oh my God, yeah. all of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I will say, I think that's like, that's a qualm that a lot of people have with the movie because it's called when how Stella got her groove back, but it's like where when first of all like how I'm just so lost like where did the groove go? She clearly <laughs> still has it, and if it was lost, at what point in this movie did she find it again? Because I could see like the fling encouraging her to like you know like using that as a stepping stone to be like I deserve love, I shouldn't be working all the time. But she just, like, literally stinks her hooks into the first man that puts it in. And it's like, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. You can you can find someone else. And she says that to country. someone in the movie, too. Like, she's talking to her friends at the mm -hmm. spa, and she's like, you didn't have to marry the second guy who ever asked you out. And I'm like, girl, you went down to Jamaica and did the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that was, like, yeah. evil foreshadowing probably oh for sure i mean i'm i'm tempted to compare this to at midnight although at midnight is more age appropriate because they're like the same age um and it's a <laughs> little bit healthier what's going on there um oh, but yeah and that's another vacation movie obviously and that one they actually they spend the entire time in mexico feel like Maybe this should have just been in Jamaica the entire time. Yes. I think that like kind of I'm glad you brought up the thing about the title because I was going to mention that if no one else did, because I saw that in the letterbox reviews, too. It's like, where did it go? When did she even get it back? Like, maybe she doesn't like also the fact that like she doesn't take her job back at the end really bothered me a lot. That's another that's maybe that's me as a broke bitch talking, but like <laughs> I'd be pissed. 
Um, you know, if I got laid off and then was broke and then like, I, I but I don't know how mad I would be to, to not take it back, but that's another story for another day. Um, no, let's start as a freelancer. She's, she made a dumb choice. Yeah. <laughs> Just yes. from yeah. my perspective. And I was going to say like, what would we change about this movie? I mean, we usually talk about this when a movie doesn't get the pass, but what would we change about this movie to make it better? Yeah, I would set the whole thing in Jamaica. Like, I think maybe yeah. at the end, you know, you get the... Because I, I don't have a problem with the Whoopi Goldberg, like, the, the cancer subplot. I have a problem that it weirdly develops into this whole huge thing in the middle of the movie. And then she has one scene where she cries about losing her best friend. And then it's like it never happened. Like, it kind of... It, it has so much emotional weight for about 15 minutes and then no emotional weight after that. So I think what I would change is probably structure this whole thing so that like two thirds, maybe three fourths is in Jamaica. And then maybe they go home because she's suddenly sick, like because Whoopi's suddenly sick. And then that's the end of it. And maybe he comes up to America to say, you know, no, I do want to be with you, yada, yada, yada. But yeah, I think just making Jamaica a character would have been more useful because... And maybe it would have served to justify yes. the truly, truly atrocious accent that Tay Diggs is doing the entire time. Yeah. That's something uh, I think that I would have to... I love Tay Diggs. I think he's he's truly, like, straight up, like, one of my favorite rom-com male leads. I think he's phenomenal. I think he's so funny. And I'm so glad he was in Rent, but he doesn't belong in this movie. <laughs> They should have cast someone. I mean, I know it's hard, but I think they should have cast someone who was actually Jamaican mm-hmm. because this is a gripe that I have with a lot of movies that are set in Caribbean West Indian nations is that they will just like think that you can straight up the Jamaican accent is like one of the most difficult accents to nail and just being black isn't enough i'm sorry to say like i don't know where tay Diggs' family is from if his i mean but i do know i do know i know his parents aren't jamaican because i feel like if your parents were jamaican you could at least like it would be better because it's like you grew up hearing it i don't know i don't know but i would cast someone else first of all an actual jamaican would be great but this is hollywood in the 90s so you know, that's probably not going to happen, but that's number one. Number two, I agree with Maggie. It has to be like a girl's trip, last holiday type scenario. Those are both Queen Latifah movies. I just realized (laughs) (laughs) making the, making the city a character is so crucial to this. And I feel like focusing on her friendship, like Stella's friendship with Delilah, Whoopi Goldberg's character is also crucial like making that giving that as much weight as the romance would have really improved it and then also like did we really need like all the politics of like oh our dynamic is flipped because I'm an older woman and I have money and I'm gonna provide for you and you're my sugar baby like we don't need to get into that I swear we do not need to get into that. We don't. Yeah, I think Whoopi's death should have been like 
the the begin at the beginning of the third act and that's like one of the things that contributes to things getting hard between Stella and Winston and yeah that's I think that's all I would change yeah I think like I if I said what I wanted to change I'd just be echoing what everyone else is saying um I'd just be <laughs> taking out all of those stupid like like I said fifth eighth and tenth act fights that they have in the last hour of the movie because I don't think they're necessary I think that like because clearly neither of them care that much that they're in this like May December relationship that much so I perf- I would prefer if Whoopi's death was the thing that was making their relationship hard and putting strain on things and maybe giving it a little bit more of that homoerotic subtext which is absolutely what I would be adding to this movie to change it I think that this would maybe work better as like a like a sapphic rom-com potentially between and and like having this fling is what makes Stella realize that Delilah is the one that she loves the most in this entire world and that that's who she should give her love and energy to Um, I can imagine like a big third act fight with Delilah in like the hospital bed saying like you're choosing this young man over me and I've known you forever (sighs) and I love you and I'm just saying like I said whenever I have a problem with a rom-com I just make it lesbians and my problems are solved Um, but that's what I I would change this movie I feel like I feel like a lot of rom-coms movies in general do benefit from a sprinkle of homoeroticism, if not an outright, you know, like just a little. You don't need a lot. If it if you're doing a straight thing, that's fine. But like, you can put a little in. You can put a little bit in there. Information explained to Top Gun Maverick. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're all Top Gun girlies on this podcast. That was going to happen at some point. I, I had I'm to work it in it there somehow. Me. I'm glad I, I held through and I didn't do it. I'm glad well, it was I, Rebecca and not me. I, I was think, holding back. I think we, um, I, I'm not even the first one bringing it up because Maggie is wearing a Jake Hangman Saracen shirt to the pod today. <laughs> so in theory, like Maggie brought it up first. You guys just- Yeah, it was on our minds. Video format. It's, I'm she, rewatching she Outer Rings right now. Way. That's why. <laughs> Oh my god. I have to start that show. I'm really excited. It's and the Starling Girl is coming out so soon. I am quoted in that trailer and I'm never gonna shut the fuck up about it. Oh my god, are you really? I have to look. I am. That is so exciting. No, yeah. I (laughs) anyway, we are we're getting off topic because I swear to god, if we Top Gun comes up once and we go forever but is there anything else that you guys want to say kind of in closing about this movie i feel like we've ripped it to shreds but i feel like it's also important on this podcast that we discuss things that are largely considered rom-coms that maybe don't fit the mold the way that they should or like they they should just be categorized differently yeah there is something i do want to say (laughs) say it (laughs) um the woman who wrote this book based off of her uh you know her experience she ended up marrying the guy and like six years later found out that he was gay and had apparently only married her for a green card that okay so that is so real isn't i need okay i need a remake of this movie now that's that's the end (laughs) like that would be such a like oh my god a legacy sequel (laughs) I would watch. I would watch. Right? I would watch. Tay Diggs 
Tay Diggs is always like, I'm ready to do a sequel. I'll do it. And I feel like he could play gay. I feel like he could do it. He was in Hedwig and the Angry and she can definitely play gay. You're oh, like, right. Fortunately, that's, right. that's, he can do it. Oh my gosh, yes. But yeah, I just had to disclose that drama because when I was telling my dad about this, he was like, isn't that the one about the guy who like was gay the whole time and he only married her for the green card? I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, yeah, they were on Oprah. It was a huge deal. And I was like, what? In like 2005, like I was 10, so I don't remember that, but he was, he, it's embedded in his memory. And that's like the only thing that he remembers about the movie. <laughs> Honestly, that's so funny. That's funnier than what I was going to say as like kind of closing remarks as, but I was just going to say like kind of echoing what I said last week about Crazy Rich Asians. If a movie wants to market itself as a rom-com, then I'm going to evaluate you like rom-com. And unfortunately, this doesn't even get the rom-com pass. Um, yeah. Aside from the pass of this podcast, it just doesn't even feel like a rom-com to me. But I would like to see the like a sequel where this whole divorce mess happens make it spicy make them have like kids or something like i don't know yeah i would watch it absolutely absolutely i feel like there are merits to this film it's just it's kind of blindsiding when you turn it on and you get past like the meat cute and you're like wait uh, this is only barely romantic and not comedic in any sense I've been entrapped. I feel like much the same way that Winston ends up entrapped at the end of the movie. That that's the oh that's going to be the the letterbox log when I um log this on our letterbox account for the pod. Amazing. I've been entrapped. I have been entrapped. Yeah. Well, sure. Livy, where for can sure. people find you if they want to hear more from you? Okay. I am on Twitter and TikTok as Livy Scott. That's L-Y-V-I-E-S-C-O-T-T. Don't get mad if you get on my TikTok and you see that I haven't posted in like three months. I'll be back. I swear. I promise. Um, That is actually where I perfected or I guess coined the term the Romeo gene. Mag, you mentioned that. My magnum opus. (laughs) My chief contribution to society. And then I also, um, my writing can be found on inverse.com as well as slashfilm.com, Blossom Magazine, and ScreenSpec. And if you want to follow the pod to continue the conversation, we are on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at GetThePassPod and on Letterboxd at ThePassPod. You should definitely follow us for Rebecca's very clever logs of all the films that we do. If you want to follow me on socials, you can follow me on Instagram at Maggie Rachel underscore spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L on Twitter at Maggie underscore Rachel and on TikTok at Maggie Rachel. If you'd like to follow me on socials, I can be found on Twitter at with a hero and on Instagram at King of the Chess People. And next week, um, we are going to be d- discussing the 1993 film Love Bites, directed by Malcolm Marmerstein and starring Adam Ant as Zachary Sims and Kimberly Foster as Kendall Gordon. This is Maggie's Choice. Do you want to set it up a little bit for us before we head out? This is a deeply unhinged film. So if you're one of the people that likes to watch the films before they listen to the episodes, one, it's streaming on Tubi. Two, it doesn't make any sense. Three, I'm going to be absolutely insufferable about it. So... We will see you next week.